if you're if you're a foreign business, an international business, without any presence in the state in the U.S., um, yeah, we we've helped hundreds, if not maybe thousands, of them um, understand what it's going to require and what you're going to need in order to get compliant in the state and to get set up and registered and become a, a compliant taxpayer in each of the each of the states. Hello, you are listening to the Saltcast by Pies and Johnson, the sales tax people. And for the last 30 plus years, we have been providing sales tax solutions and peace of mind to everyone we talk to. Sales tax compliance in the United States can be pretty complicated. But if you understand where you have Nexus and you know the taxability of your products and your services, and you know how your the method of how you conduct your business affects your sales tax responsibilities. If you have all of these things understood, you have a good idea of you know how to go forward with your sales tax compliance. But when it comes to being a non-US business, not only do you have to deal with and know those three things I just mentioned, but there are some very unique challenges that you may not even be aware of. So on today's episode of the Saltcast, we talk about just that. Carson is they struggle for foreign sellers to get registered in the state. And they struggle getting registered in the state because they don't have the information um, to efficiently and effectively register. So as a foreign seller, the registration process is a little bit different because they don't have a social security number and they don't have, um, what is it, or a driver's license. And so they oftentimes have to provide something else in lieu of that information. And so that's what we work with the foreign sellers on is on the registration side, but it doesn't have to do with compliance per se, but it does open up that door to compliance because you have to be registered in order to be, in order to file returns, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Could you, as a, as a foreign business, could you get away without registering? Like if you meet the nexus thresholds, can you get away with it? Like what can they, what could a state actually do? Really? You, are you saying even if, I mean, anyone can get away with it as long as they don't get audited. Right. 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 But yeah, once, once an audit comes, that's a great question of like, what, what recourse do the states have, right. To, to go after a, an international business. Right. Like, how would a state even find this international business? What, yeah, one, one example or one example with that is, you know, a, a, a real life example, you could say that we dealt with with a uh, business that came to us and uh, it was a state of Texas. Um, they, Texas actually was able to see somehow, some way that this business was selling on Amazon. And they, in fact, had the comptroller contacted Amazon and it went all the way to their legal department at Amazon and, and to the point where they said, you have a, a client, your, one of your clients, one of your sellers is 
you know, illegal, you could say essentially like their business is not operating under the law and under the statutes and Amazon, in fact, froze that Amazon, their account and their funds until they went and cleaned up the situation with Texas and they had to prove then to Amazon that it was all cleaned up and it was a mess. Like they, it was a big enough store to where by the time they, I think it took like three to four months. Um, cause you're dealing with, you got the comp troll, right. And you got to work through everything there, make sure you get it all cleaned up. Um, there are of course, a bunch of penalties and interests on delinquent tax. And then they had to go through the, you know, rigmarole you could say of getting it cleaned up with Amazon to say, yeah, here's my proof that, you know, I took care of this. And, uh, I mean, they had, I think there was close to 400,000 or so that they had tied up almost 500,000 because at that point, Amazon froze all of their funds. It wasn't just about Texas sales at that point. Like all of their revenue from Amazon was held up and locked up until they cleaned up that situation. So one, one example of how, you know, what the states could do. I think the other thing that they do is because when you register or when you get um, set up in that state as a taxpayer, they also uh, get your bank account information. And we've seen where the states have gone after the individual's bank account. For a foreign seller, though, um, you know, sometimes they don't have a U.S. bank account and they they have and so they can't make payments to the state. Um, but if you do have a U.S. bank account, then it does freeze that account or they can freeze that account. And we've seen that happen. Um, the other thing that we've seen is from a supplier's perspective, um, the state will go after your supplier and shut down, um, how you get goods, you know? So if you have a U.S. supplier or a supplier, um, you know, in that particular state or a nearby state or whatever, then we will also seen where they've gone after the individual suppliers for the companies yeah and you you bring up a point as far as you know what international sellers can expect around compliance you know you brought up the the u.s bank account um you know that is one of the hurdles or roadblocks that international companies run into when it comes to compliance right because the the states want payments uh from u.s bank accounts so you know that's something where that the Payoneer and all these other kind of, you know, exchanges or, you know, solutions or services that international sellers can use as far as, you know, funds going from, you know, your PayPal or Amazon or whatever, you know, Shopify even, and then you getting those funds and vice versa, you know, that may be a way that you can pay suppliers, vendors, um, whatnot in the U S unfortunately, with few, if any exceptions that I'm aware of, those do not work. So you, you right. do really need a U.S. Right. bank account. So you got you got to go through the, the cost and burden of, you know, setting up a U.S. bank account. Or, I mean, we do have a solution for that with, with our international clients where, you know, we're able to get a wire transfer from them each month uh, with those tax funds. And right. then, uh, you know, as we file those returns, of course, we're the ones making the payments, um, sometimes from like an escrow account, you know, there's, there's different options there, but bottom line being, we can take that wire transfer and then, you know, get those tax payments made to the States, but there, there are solutions, right. But it, again, we're talking about some of the roadblocks 
or issues that you'd have as an international seller. And that's certainly one to consider and one that you'll have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, from that, you know, at first it seems like you got to worry about Nexus taxability. Um, and just, you know, the method you're using to do business in the U S but then, yeah, I, I think that's good that to talk about the kind of the roadblocks, cause that's some things I don't often see that people are covering. It's like, yeah, here's the roadblocks and here's a solution. Yeah. But well, yeah, regardless of the, the seller or the business, whether you're in the state or you're a foreign seller, um, yeah, Nexus definitely is the starting point. You have to trigger Nexus, and we talk about that all day, every day. On it seems like every podcast, um, we talk about you know you start with Nexus. That's step number one. Have I established Nexus? And it's not necessarily where you're physically located, but it's also where your customers are located. So you got to establish Nexus before any state can impose that they that you collect their tax. So. Um. I did have another question. Um, this kind of goes, I guess it's kind of a nexus question, but do foreign businesses have to set up like an LLC or a corporation within the States? Is that a requirement? Not within the state. No, they don't have to register with the secretary of state more times than not. Uh, you do have to set up a, the entity and get a federal ID number with the Internal Revenue System Service, but you don't have to incorporate or get a qualification in the state in order to open up a sales tax account. You would if you had, um, you know, from a potentially from a franchise or from an income tax perspective, um, arguably you you would, um, but we've seen many many clients and even many businesses get away with not registering with the secretary of state to be a foreign qualified through a foreign qualification. Um, so, so they, so in what circumstances then would a foreign business set up like an LLC, you know, you see it popular like in Delaware where there's no, Corporate yeah, so you have to yeah you have to have an entity and be registered with the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, um, and so companies will set up something somewhere, but you don't have to do it in every state. So let's say that mm -hmm. they do set up the entity in Delaware as an LLC. Um, you don't have to. I mean, you could. You could certainly be a foreign company in Poland and then you just go to the IRS and you get a federal ID number for your Poland entity in Poland. So um, it doesn't have to be in Delaware or in any U.S. state for that matter. Uh, you just have to have a, a federal ID number. You have to have that with the Internal Revenue Service. So a couple circumstances where someone would want to actually incorporate in the US, right? And like you said, Ryan, you know, actually set up some sort of LLC or whatnot right. uh, in any state, Wyoming, Delaware, wherever someone might yeah. want to set it up uh, would be if they wanted to obtain a US bank account, right? You would need to do that yeah. in, in that case. Additionally, some suppliers, right? Some vendors would require that to do business with them. They would actually require that you set up a US entity 
um, you know, to even be one of their clients, right. And, and, and partner with them. So they're oftentimes, right. There, there are scenarios like that where you're required to do certain things as a business more so based on partnerships that you're trying to set up rather than, you know, any governmental entities that, you know, have statutes or laws that would require you to do so. And that's a case of yeah, course agree and, where, you know, it, it's similar even on the sales tax side with, uh, sometimes with, uh, exemptions, right? If you're a business and, and you're a drop shipper or you're, you know, you have a drop shipping business, you know, there, there are the laws and statutes in the States and there are the, the ways that they require, or even, you know, ask you to, to manage, you know, sales tax around exemption or, um, you know, any type of exemption certificate, resale certificate. However, if you're relying on vendors that, you know, you're placing orders with them and they're drop shipping to your customers, oftentimes you're at the mercy of that vendor and how they do things. They, they may, we, we've, I, there's a process we just went through with a client of ours that, you know, was, was pretty painful be, mainly because the vendor had a combination of getting some bad advice and also, you know, they, they knew what they knew, but they also didn't know what they didn't know. And they created a whole process around that to say, this is what we re require for you to do business with us. If you don't do this, 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 and this, which was like a state by state thing, we're going to charge you tax. And, you know, it turned out they ended up charging, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of tax to this, this seller. And, you know, there's some implications there that this vendor wasn't aware of. Like if you're charging tax to them and you're not supposed to, like, you know, there, there's just issues to consider both with your relationship with your, you know, that between the vendor and their customers, but also just even issues they could run into with the state if the worst case scenario happens. And that is if you come under audit. So we were able to go through some of that with the vendor and, you know, their finance team, you could say their accounting team and, uh, you know, shed some light on that to where they actually made some changes and said, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll accept these, uh, for example, like multi-jurisdiction certificates and, and whatnot. We just had to really go through there and educate them. And, um, so again, this with all that said, back to the point, something to be aware of that, you know, when you're dealing with sales tax, uh, throughout the States, sometimes you're going to need to make adjustments or, you know, set up things a certain way, just based on your relationships. That's a good point. Well, I know kind of guys... a random tangent, but there you go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's super true though. And it's applicable. I mean, you see businesses that, hey, I got a vendor who needs this. I got Amazon who's asking for this. And how do I get that? And hey, I have this. My bank is wanting this. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, here, here's how we'll do that. Or here's what you'll need to do here. So, yeah, a lot of it does have to do with those relationships and those partnerships, those you're doing business with. So, So what I'm hearing is if you're an international business, there are some roadblocks that you got to be aware of beyond Nexus taxability, the method that you're doing business in the U S 
but you know, we have quite a few international clients that we've really been able to figure it out and get everything that they might need and help them come up with the best solution for themselves is what I'm hearing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. If you're, if you're a foreign business, an international business without any presence in the state, in the U S um, yeah, we, we've helped hundreds, if not maybe thousands of them um, understand what it's going to require and what you're going to need in order to get compliant in the state and to get set up and registered and become a, a compliant taxpayer in each of the, each of the states. We're there liaison. Yeah. To the yeah. And as always with, with any business, we're going to lay out, you know, the options, the, the laws, the statutes, what do the states require? But we're also going to discuss a practical approach for the business, right? There's, there's always, yeah. we, we say it time and time again, like find where a practical approach for your business intersects with compliance and it's always worth considering what are the costs of compliance, you know, all the administrative burden, uh, everything that's associated with that. So that's, that's certainly going to be a key part of that discussion. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for jumping on with me. As always, it was a great discussion and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye.